0: Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. I, I want to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Can I hear better amen? amen. That's better. Can I hear a good amen this side? Amen. Thank you so much. Those of us who don't know me, my name is Innocent. My middle name is Tawanda, and my second name is Mzingo, my same name. I confuse myself at times because at work, they know me by my middle name. In church, they know me by my first name. I made a decision when I came to Australia that I'm going to go by my middle name for a change. So every time I get calls and they say I want to speak to Innocent, I know it's my friends from UK and Africa. If I get a call saying, can we speak to Tawanda? I always know it's about work. So at least I can distinguish those two. We are in the middle of epic tales. Uh, Pastor Sean, he started the series when he was talking about David. He said he titled his message Doing Average Well. David was overlooked by his parents when they were looking for a king. And we remember Pastor James coming here talking about Abraham and Isaac, and he said something that was so important that I still remember even up to now, that we need to grow our inner man so much so that he is stronger than the things that we see or that are surrounding us. And Aaron, last week, he was talking about Hezekiah. When the doors of the temple were shut, he came back to restore worship. And open the doors of worship again. I want to take you through some uh, another epic tale today. I feel so strong in my heart that God is going to show up in this place, and He's going to touch a few people this morning. There is a growing hunger in the body of Christ. I am hungry for God. I am thirsty to see a greater manifestation of God in our time. I've been a Christian for 35 years. I got saved when I was 14 years. 19 of those 35 years I was in pastoral ministry. I have witnessed a few times God doing things. I've seen people being healed. I've seen people being delivered. I've seen God doing the miraculous. But for some reason, this year, I had a hunger. I have a hunger. That's more than the hunger that I've had before. I'm saying to God, I want more. I want more. I want more. And talking to people around, there is this, this growing hunger in Christians that they are desiring to see more. I don't want to just come and go. I just don't want to to be part of a a, a movement where I come to church, go back home, come to church, go back home the same. I want more. And this is the time we are living that God is wanting to outpour his spirit in a strong way. The psalmist in Psalms chapter sixty. He says something that a lot of people are saying now. He's saying, God, you walked off and left us. Kicked our defenses to bits. I like the message Bible. And stalked off angry. Come back. Oh, please come back. It does seem like the cry we have. We are saying, God, it looks like you have packed your bags and gone away. You have forsaken us and gone away. And we are beckoning to God and saying, "God, come back, come back. If you read Psalm 61, David says they think it was a time when he was running away from Absalom or when he was running away from Saul, and he was away hiding running away from the place of worship, Jerusalem, in hiding in some caves somewhere, he cries out to God and said, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. Maybe this morning that's your prayer. You're saying, God, hear my cry. From the ends of the earth, please do hear my cry. We're talking about a gentleman today called Gideon. We find him in the book of Judges at a time of darkness, complete darkness. Things that used to be normal he had become abnormal. The Bible says they were under oppression from the Midianites for seven years. And what the Midianites and the Eastern people used to do, they used to come and plunder and loot everything these Israel, the, Jews, the Israelites had. If they planted some crop, they would come and take it away. They didn't just take it away. If they had enough, they would just destroy the crop so that the Israelites had nothing to eat. I don't know whether it seems like you today that everything you are planting, something is coming to rip it up for you. Everything you are sowing, it looks like there's somebody waiting to just plunder, take it away from you. And you are living that life and that's the life you have accepted and say, that's my Lord. that's my life. That's an abnormal way of life. And we find Gideon, the Bible says he had some wheat. And he wanted to thresh his wheat. But instead of going to where they used to thresh the wheat, he had to hide in a winepress to thresh his wheat. Hiding from the Midianites. Because if they knew that he was doing that, they would come down and plunder. Judges chapter six, verse eleven. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord." Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring you out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God comes to this man, living a life of fear, living in darkness. Living a life of no hope. Seven years. Every year under oppression. Every year they are dying of hunger. Every year this army that comes to loot everything they have. That was his life. But God comes to him and says, God is with you, mighty man. I like the song we were singing today. God doesn't look at you based on your circumstances. God does not view you based on what you have failed in life. The world judges you. The world describes you by the things they see happening in your life, but not so with God. The world will describe you as that sick person, as that poor person, as that rich person, as that angry person. As that divorced person? Is that person whose wife died? You know, that's the world's description about you—the one who failed. He tried his education; he has failed. He has been for second. He has been sacked from his job. That's how the world describes you. But God comes to this man who is living in fear and say, "God is with you, mighty man. I'm glad that's how God views me." I'm a mighty man of God before him. God looks at what he has deposited in my life. That's how he describes me. He says, God is with you, mighty man. And you know what Gideon says? He says, pardon me, excuse me, my Lord. Mighty man, are you talking of me or somebody else? You don't seem to know me, God. How can you call me a mighty man? The family that I am born from is a wrong family altogether. How can you call me a mighty man? I am from the tribe of Manasseh, just in case you don't know. Not only that, I am even the least in my family. How can you call me a mighty man? You know, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob had 12 sons. The Levites who come from Levi were not given any inheritance. So there were 11 who were meant to get inheritance. But you remember Joseph went away to Egypt. And when Jacob later came to Egypt, he said to Joseph, who are these two boys you have got? And Joseph said, this is Ephraim, this is Manasseh says, oh, Jacob says, these two kids who were born to you in my absence as your father, when I was away from you, they are not yours. I will call them my children. Joseph did not get inheritance. So the two that ends to the ten were sons of Joseph, but were called twelve tribes as if they were children of Jacob. Now Jacob, when Ephraim and Manasseh came, be blessed. Joseph, being a father, knew the importance of being the firstborn or the elder son. So he put Manasseh on his left, which was the right of Jacob, and Ephraim on the left of Jacob, so that he would bless them. The right hand was always meant to be put It had more blessings, so whoever had the right hand laid upon them, you would receive more blessings than the blessings you would receive from the left hand. And you know what Jacob did? Instead of putting his right hand on Manasseh, who was the elder, he crossed his hands. He put his right hand on Ephraim, and the left hand on Manasseh, the elder one. Joseph saw that and said, "You are making a mistake, father." This is the elder one. This is the elder. Please put your right hand on Manasseh. And Jacob says, I know my son. I know what I'm doing. He will be blessed too. But this one will be greater. So when Gideon is saying, my tribe is of Manasseh, he's saying we are not counted. My father, though he was an elder, he didn't receive a bigger blessing. The younger one even got the blessing for him. So we are, how can you call me a mighty man? And he says, I'm not even the firstborn. It was important to be the firstborn. He said, I am the least in my family. When God is working, he doesn't care where you come from. He doesn't care about your background. He doesn't care whether you come from a broken family or not. When God is working, you become a mighty man of God. Then he asked some questions which we were probably asking. Okay, God, you have come to help us. But where have you been? Where are the miracles, Lord? We don't see any miracles anymore. They told us about you, that you delivered them from Egypt, but we are suffering, God. Where have you been? Where are you? We can't see you. Maybe you are crying today, sickness or whatever. You're saying, where is God? And you've tried him maybe for so long, you are now in disappointment. You just live a life of disappointment, a life of fear. The things that are meant to be normal in your life have become, uh, the, the things that are supposed not to happen in your life, the abnormal things, they become your normal. You have even put a tag on yourself to describe yourself by the things that have fallen on your life, by the failures that you have faced in your life, by the brokenness that you have experienced in your life, the scars that are in your heart. That's how you describe yourself. That's how you see yourself. But God comes and says, mighty man, And he says, I'm going to deliver the people. I will deliver the Midianites into your hands. Judges chapter 7, verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, With 300 men that lived, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So God spoke to this Gideon. And Gideon tried some tests and said, God, if you are speaking to me, let me see this and that. Then God says now, blow the trumpet and call all the armies so that we prepare to go and fight against this vast army of the Midianites. 32,000 people came around from Israel, a big army. But do you know how many they were facing? The Midianites and the Eastern people, there were at least 135,000 army. Where am I getting this? If you read chapter 8, verse 10, you hear, you see they God doing the mathematics. He was talking of the ones that were left after every 120 died. There was left only 15,000 in that war. So 32,000. They have come. Remember, they've been under the Midianites for so long. But they are facing 135,000. You know, God is amazing. The bigger your problem, the more God can do in your life. And you know, God comes now and says, you know, Gideon, when I do things in your life, I don't want you to think that you have done them yourself. I don't want you to get the glory. You're 32,000. Can you tell any one of them who is afraid to go back home? Gideon comes and makes an announcement. Uh, God has just told me, if anyone is afraid, please go home. That's really strange. And they were not scared to go home because only 10,000 were left from 32,000. I always think I don't know what story they gave to their wives when they went home. You don't go home and say they've told us that if you are afraid, go home. I'm, I was one of the ones who are afraid. <laughs> I'm sure some of them lied. Said we are the reserve army. <laughs> yeah, we are the reserve army, the specialist army. If they need us, they'll call us. But they said, if you're afraid, go home. They went home. And now 10,000, I guess 135,000. God says, Gideon, I don't do things that way. When I start working miracles in your life, I don't do it by beats. There are still too many for me. Take them, take them to the river. If anyone kneels down and drinks from the river, they are not worthy. God said, I will tell you who you will take in. Those who, leapt, who, who knelt down to drink from the river, God said, they are not worthy to go to the war. But those who leapt like dogs bringing the water in their palms and drank, God says those are the ones that I want to take for the war." And you know how many went away again? 9,700. And he's left with 300 people to fight 135,000 people. And God says on verse 7, With the 300 people, I will deliver the Midianites into your hands. When God is working, he leaves you in no doubt that this is God. And I believe that's what you want to do in your life. You have been expecting a miracle. You have been expecting things to happen in your life. And they've not been happening. God is wanting to show you beyond any doubt that he's still God. He's still God. He wants to show up in your life. With the 300 people, I will deliver. Just about to finish. Maybe can they come back? And God says to him now, if you are afraid, Gideon, do you know that God knows when you, our, our emotions, our fears, and our struggles? He says, if you are afraid, I want you to just go down to the camp of the Mid- Midianites now. And the Bible says there were so many of them in tents. And he says, your sev- take your servants, spur and go down there to the camp of the Midianites. He goes, there are so many camps and tents. But the Bible says God leads him to a particular camp, a particular tent. And he listens. Just the time he got there, God is speaking. These guys are speaking to each other. You know, God is so specific. He knows the exact tent you need to go to get your breakthrough. He takes him there. And these guys are in there and these are listening from outside. The guy is saying, you know what? I had a dream last night. I dreamt a barley loaf of bread tumbling down and it crushed all the tents of the Midianites. And the guy, other friend says, oh, that's strange. That can only mean the sword of Gideon. That was his interpretation of dreams. Looking at a barley loaf and he's saying it's a sword of Gideon. Why was that? In that time, wheat was now scarce in the land of Israel because it used to be plundered. Barley was the cheap form of making bread. Most people used barley to feed their animals. So the only place you could find a loaf of barley bread was not among the Midianites because they were eating the posh bread, the wheat bread, the wheat they took from the Israelites. The only place you would find barley was in the camp of the Israelites. That's why he said that can only mean Gideon now. Do you know that God was preparing the enemy to be defeated by Gideon? The Lord had already worked in the enemy that was so vast and big in their eyes, but he had already done things to cause fear in the camp of the enemy. I won't go into how they fought the war, but with those 300 people, God delivered the Midianites. Into the hand of Gideon. Can we bow down our heads for just a moment? Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Life without God is not a normal life, living life without God is abnormal. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to be involved in your life. There are people who are living in fear, living in disappointment, living in regret, living in all this darkness. But God wants to come into your life. He wants to transform your life. He wants you to trust him with your life. And he wants you to touch. He wants to touch you this morning before we go. I feel there may be one or two here. We have not given their life to God, or we are not even sure about their salvation. Maybe you've been with us in this church for a while, but as I talk now, you are not too sure where you will go if you to die today. If you to die today, you are not too sure about your salvation. You are not too sure about what God it means to you. God is saying, I want to come down in your life. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want to give you a warp. I want to give you something to live for. And I don't want to leave you this morning. I want to pray with you before we pray for other people. I want to pray with anyone here. We say, please do pray with me. I want to get God involved in my life. I want to accept Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Whilst our eyes are closed, our heads bow down. I'm just giving this time to you so that you can do that in the privacy of no one is looking at you. Just where you are, I want to see your hand and I want to pray with you. If you're there, you are saying, please, I want to accept Jesus in my life. Help me pray that prayer. I want you to lift your hand quickly up and I will acknowledge that hand and I will pray for you. If you're there, just quickly lift your hand, and I'll acknowledge that hand. Lift it up high, then I'll acknowledge that hand, and I want to pray for you. God is speaking to you right now. You know that you are far away from God. You want God to come in your life. You want to accept Jesus. Just raise your hand where you are, and I'm going to pray with you. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.